Welcome in to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Wargle, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for the Rivals.com network. Happy belated Thanksgiving to everybody. Hopefully everyone had a good turkey, ham, gravy, stuffing, sweet potatoes, green bean casserole, whatever suits your Thanksgiving table with your family. Hope you had a good Thursday. And I'll be honest with you, this is part three of this podcast. I've had to re-record it three times because... The University of Wisconsin is not playing football today as I record this Saturday morning. Wisconsin men's basketball is 2-0 after two easy wins this week. And Richard Wild Goose, the junior cornerback for the University of Wisconsin, has declared for the NFL draft. So this is version three of this podcast. So hopefully I have my news and notes down to a T. We're going to start with the big news of the week, which is Wisconsin football not playing the longest rivalry in the history of college football this weekend because of the ongoing pandemic at Minnesota with their cases increasing. This news came down on Tuesday night that Minnesota had decided not to play Wisconsin for the first time since 1906. And that's bad news for the Badgers because it's the third canceled game of the season for Wisconsin, the first outside of their control. And that means Wisconsin is not eligible for the Big Ten West Division championship and playing in Indianapolis. That is kind of a moot point anyways, because Wisconsin's ugly loss to Northwestern last weekend, which we will not talk about after this point, has left Wisconsin pretty much behind the Wildcats from this point forward. Wisconsin would have to win the rest of their games. Northwestern would have to lose two of their three and face it. Their schedule isn't exactly murderer's row going down. So Wisconsin was going to play in Indianapolis anyways, but because the Badgers can only play a maximum of five regular season games, they lose the ability to meet that threshold developed by the Big Ten. Uh, per Minnesota, nine student athletes and six staff members have tested positive for COVID-19 as of Tuesday. The Gophers played on Friday against Purdue and barely played in terms of having enough people to play. Uh, reports are that they had 22 scholarship players out. They only had 61 scholarship players available they were missing some coaches as well and so minnesota decided that they needed to get this under control and hopefully be ready to compete uh, next week when they play against northwestern wisconsin has only played one home game this season all the way back on october 23rd so wisconsin if you're keeping track open the year with a 45-7 victory over illinois where hopes of Big Ten title this season, if not more, were certainly on the table. Then Wisconsin missed their next two games at Nebraska, home against Purdue, two teams that Wisconsin has pretty much dominated over the last 10 years. Then they come back, they beat a bad Michigan team, then they lose at Northwestern, and then they lose their axe game against Minnesota. So the, t- the easier, presumed easier games on Wisconsin's schedule, the Badgers have had to sit out, and that's why Wisconsin City at 2-1 and one at this late juncture in the conference schedule. Wisconsin's scheduled to play Indiana on Saturday at Camp Randall. That's going to be the final regular season home game of the season. It's a 2-30 kickoff. Indiana has been playing very good football all season long. Their only loss was a 7-point loss at Ohio State, and the Hoosiers have a, th- a chance to win the Big Ten East because Ohio State is not playing today against Illinois because of their COVID cases. That's Ohio State's second canceled game this season. Maryland had to cancel an earlier game this season because of their rise in COVID cases. 
And there is a chance, according to some league sources, that the Buckeyes won't be healthy enough to play against Michigan State next weekend, which means the Big Ten championship game this season will be Northwestern against Indiana, most likely. If the, How fitting for the Big Ten, which has screwed up this whole thing from start to finish, is going to get a title game without probably the two best teams in the league. Ohio State certainly is the best team in the league, and I would argue that Wisconsin's probably number two, even though Northwestern beat them last weekend. I think on a neutral field, Wisconsin beats Northwestern eight out of ten times. But again, this is the situation that you're in, where COVID has been the number one storyline of the Big Ten, of the entire country in college sports. And you look at the Big Ten, I've talked about this before, to build a schedule where you're going to play eight games in eight weeks with no buys, with no room for wiggle room, is just plain stupid. And that's what you get with Kevin Warren leading the Big Ten this year. It just wasn't a well-thought-out process of this schedule, trying to put the 10-game schedule in early and have it start so early when there are so many unknowns, and then an eight-game schedule where you had no buys. If the Big Ten was going to start in late October... They needed to just make it a six-game schedule, playing your own division, and that way when a division game gets canceled, like Wisconsin-Minnesota, Wisconsin-Nebraska, Wisconsin-Purdue, you had wiggle room to move those games around. Again, this was a money grab by the Big Ten, and it's blown up in their faces, and it could really be bad if Ohio State doesn't meet the eligibility requirements for the Big Ten, and then the committee doesn't view the Buckeyes positively as compared to other teams in the league because Ohio State's going to play far fewer games than those in the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. Still think Ohio State will be okay if they can get their ducks in a row and play Michigan, which they will thoroughly beat Michigan. And then it looks like Ohio State could play Wisconsin in the number two game if they don't play Michigan State next week. That would be interesting. That would be and more important to the Buckeyes, probably, if you can get that game. Uh, I think Wisconsin is reviewed uh, and revered better than than the Wildcats are. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think for Wisconsin, Wisconsin fans, who would you rather play in that number nine game? The number two team in the East, in theory, if Ohio State is eligible, will be Indiana. So then you're playing Indiana for the second time in three weeks, sandwiched around a game at Iowa City. Would you rather play Ohio State, try to beat the Buckeyes for the first time since 2010, or would you try to schedule Minnesota and continue that rivalry game? I think a lot of Wisconsin fans would rather see Minnesota uh, just because of the importance of that game and because I think Wisconsin fans enjoy beating the Gophers on an almost annual basis. I don't think Wisconsin fans want to see Indiana or Maryland, and I'm pretty sure they don't want to see Ohio State too, since Ohio State has just been a thorn in the side of Wisconsin fans for the better part of a decade. Just kind of goes to show what the Big Ten is Big Ten is dealing with at this point is we've tried to inch closer to the end of this really bizarre college football season. You look at college basketball too. College basketball is having all sorts of issues on that front too. Baylor has had to cancel games. Gonzaga had a big win over Kansas this week, had a player test positive and still played against Auburn uh, a day later. There's been games against uh, with, with Duke that's canceled games. Tennessee has paused activities. Old Miss has paused. And you've had coaches test positive. Uh, Jim Beheim, Tom Izzo, Baylor's coaching staff has tested positive. It's just a mess 
right now. And I think that's part of the reason why transitioning now to Wisconsin basketball, the Badgers were so fortunate to be able to get two games in this weekend uh, or this past week. Uh, Wednesday, they beat East, Eastern Illinois. Then last night against Arkansas Pine Bluff, which was just a thorough dominating uh, victory for the Badgers where they go with 92-58 was the final score. And, you know, it's good to see Wisconsin basketball back on the floor. The Badgers now have a 10-game winning streak dating back to last season. That's the seventh longest active streak in Division One and the second longest among major conference teams. You remember Wisconsin had that uh, feverish finish to the 2019-20 Big Ten season, winning at Indiana to win a share of the Big Ten title. And it's evident that Wisconsin is starting to pick up where they left off because the Badgers returned so many key pieces, only missing Brevin Pritzel off last year's team. And that Wisconsin team that we've seen this season has starred five seniors in both games, Demetri Trice, Salim Ford, Micah Potter, Brad Davis, and Nate Reavers. You've seen some depth on the bench. You knew that Tyler Wall was going to play quite a bit. You knew Trevor Anderson was going to be an important piece of the guard rotation. But two freshmen have really stood out early on. Uh, Jonathan Davis, or Johnny Davis, uh, uh, lacrosse, has played very well um, at points. Eight points in eight minutes in the first half of his first game. Uh, ben Carlson looked very good against Eastern Illinois. Four or five shooting double figures in his first game. Both kind of took a step back a little bit against Pine Bluff. That was kind of a weirder game. Davis was 3 of 10. Carlson just 0 for 1, had four fouls in the game. But this these games are important, even though they're not against the greatest teams in the world, because Wisconsin didn't have those uh, exhibition games. They didn't have their in-state exhibition game against uh, Platteville or Parkside or Stout or Superior or Eau Claire. And they didn't have their closed-door scrimmage against another Division I school. In the past, they played Northern Iowa. They played DePaul. Uh, they've you know, done those type of games against really good competition. So these are important kind of feeling-out games for the Badgers. And what we've seen is that Wisconsin has had really good starts in these games. Just looking at Friday's game, for example, Wisconsin scored the first 25 points of this game. Uh, you had a lot of good ball movement in this game. 17 assists for the Badgers on Friday night. No turnovers in the first half. Only the sixth time in school history Wisconsin's gone an entire half without turning the ball over. Uh, defensively, uh, they forced a lot of turnovers too. That Arkansas Pine Bluff really never got anything going. Uh, 15 turnovers for uh, the G Golden Lions, 11 in the first half alone. Arkansas Pine Bluff just shot 34%. From the field, uh, Doss, their leading scorer, just 6 of 17 shooting. Brad Davison was a thorn in his side the entire game. But there's a lot of things to look at beyond just the end results of these games. Uh, the 10-point win over Eastern Illinois, a game that was much closer, uh, not as close as the final score indicated, excuse me, and certainly the 34-point win on Friday night. Wisconsin is starting to try to figure out the rotations a little bit more. And one of the key things that we've seen through two games is that Nate Reavers and Micah Potter, who didn't play a lot on the court together uh, last year, uh, just because it kind of lacked the same offensive efficiency that Wisconsin had, is, are playing a lot more on the court at the same time. And they have that a nice high-low game working. And I think that's going to make Wisconsin more dangerous. And the Badgers have some more depth in the, the front court because of Aleem Ford's growth. And Aleem Ford's more kind of a 3-4, but, but certainly you have uh, Tyler Wall thrown in the mix there, and Tyler Wall can play probably the 2 through the 5. And, you know, Ben Carlson, too, having that option there. I think Carlson's going to play quite a bit this year. And remember, there's no 
This is basically a free eligibility year for all teams across college football, across winter sports. Uh, so, if, you know, Ben Carlson plays the entire season. He'll still go into next season as a freshman. So that's a huge bonus for Greg Gard that he can be able to use some of these guys a little bit more. And so they have both Potter and Reavers out there at the same time. That's going to add another di- dimension to Wisconsin. Wisconsin can do a lot of different things. They can go big with guys like Ben Carlson and Wall and and lean forward. They can go smaller with Trice, Anderson, uh, Jonathan Davis, Brad Davison. I mean, there's there's so many different ways guard can mix and match these lineups, and that's part of the reason we've seen these two games, maybe some some ebbs and flows with Wisconsin offensively, is because you've seen a lot of different lineups out on the floor. And for the most part, uh, the, the production from the starting five has been really good. Uh, Wisconsin will be able to jump on teams early and build up these nice, comfortable leads. Uh, Eastern Illinois, they led by you know 20-plus for most of the game. Uh, against Pine Bluff, they're up by as much as 40 uh, on Friday night. And you, you look at, too, defensively, the man-to-man defense is Wisconsin's bread and butter, but we've seen a little bit of the 1-2-2. We've seen some full-court press at times. And guard, as you'll hear from Greg Guard here in just a couple minutes, I'll play back the audio from Friday night's uh, conversation with the media, he said that you know, that's something that they practiced a lot last year. Didn't really use it as much in games, but that's something that they can flow in and out of depending on the situation. And there's depth now and experience with this Wisconsin team that they're comfortable with the basis of what Wisconsin is defensively, that they can run some different actions off of it. That's kind of what we saw a bunch of years ago with the uh, national runner-up team with Kaminsky, Decker, Gosser, uh uh, Trayvon Jackson, Koenig, all those guys, Nigel Hayes thrown in there too, Zach Showalter. That was such an experienced group that you could do some different things building off your base offense and your base defense. You can get out and run a little bit more. Wisconsin did that as well. Their transition game I thought was really good uh, with 13 fast break points on Friday night. Uh, you know, Points in the paint, you, know, you kind of look at that with a grain of salt. Wisconsin's had a, a sizable advantage in, in the post over these first two teams. That's going to kind of be the same thing next week, too. They have Green Bay on Tuesday. The game at Marquette on Friday, I think, will be probably the real first good litmus test for this team, although Marquette's pretty young at some points, too. Wisconsin also is going to play Northern Iowa later in this non-conference season. That's going to be their final non-conference warm-up. That's probably going to be their toughest game, which will bode well because then they'll kind of bleed right into Big Ten play. Uh, you look at where was Johnny Davis and Ben Carlson can help the team. I already mentioned Carlson with the post. Johnny Davis has an element to his game that I think Wisconsin missed at points last year, where he's able to just find his way to the rim and make plays at the rim, something that Kobe King did really well for this team. And then once King left that final 11 games, that really was missing from Wisconsin, that Wisconsin caught fire from the perimeter a little bit and became more a three-point shooting team. Now, I mentioned Davis didn't shoot the ball as well, three for 10, but still eight rebounds, eight defensive rebounds. He was willing to go in there and to make plays happen. Had a block in the game, uh, no turnovers for him in 25 minutes. Uh, got to the free throw line a couple times. So having that ability to get into the lane and willing to kind of get roughed up a little bit, uh, I think is going to be critical for Wisconsin. Because face it, Demetri Trice is not that real player that's going to draw a lot of contact. He's more of a facilitator, more of a jump shooter. Not someone that really is going to put his head down, drive in the lane, and get contact. That having been said, Demetri Trice played really well on Friday night. 15 points, 6 of 9 shooting. Didn't shoot that well in the opener to so see him make 6 of his 9 shots, I think, was big. Hit 3 
three-pointers, got out and transitioned a little bit, and three assists, no turnovers. And so for the season, eight assists and no turnovers. And I think that's what you want from your senior at that position to be playing at that level. And you look around the Big Ten, you know, guys like you know Cassius Winston at Michigan State are gone. Xavier Simpson at Michigan, uh, gone. So you have the opportunity that Trice could be one of the top point guards in the league. And when you have players like Aline Ford hunting his shot, when you have Michael Potter filling the statute like he did on Friday, 19 points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals, a block. Uh, when you have Nate Reavers confident uh, in his offensive game, and you have Brad Davison providing good defense against the opposing team's best offensive player. And then you have some depth on the bench. That, that's a lot of really good things to kind of sink your teeth into for Wisconsin. Again, still early. Wisconsin's overmatched two teams that they should overmatch. But for a team that didn't have much exhibition play and that had been going against each other for a long period of time to go out and play well against someone else and to average 1.3 points per possession and score on almost 60% of your possessions, that's really encouraging for the Badgers. Um, here's head coach Greg Gard uh, talking to the media on Friday night about some of the things he's seen through two games and about his freshman, about Demetri Trice, uh, about Brad Davison's defense, all sorts of things that Gard touched on with the media. Happy with uh, how our guys played tonight. Uh, that obviously a terrific start. Um, and I think the most important thing, we stayed true to how we need to play for the most part, and, and we didn't get loose and sloppy for the most part. Um, and that's challenging, especially when the, start, the score starts to really slide in one, one direction quickly. So um, that was good to get a lot of guys in the game and get some experience and different combinations. So um, looking forward to tomorrow having a day off and then, back here on Sunday to get ready for Green Bay. Yeah, Greg, you, you talked about the fact that you didn't have, teams didn't have a close scrimmage this year. You didn't have the exhibition. But I'm just curious if these first two games have given you a look that you needed to get about your team, what you guys can do, what certain players can do, that, that you would have normally gotten anyway. Yeah, I think it's helped in some regards. You know, I think we're still, you know, and we may be for a few more games yet still trying to find who we really are. Uh, especially on the offensive end. Uh, I think it's starting to create more and more of an identity. Um, obviously, playing through the two bigs is important. Um, and, you know, just uh, finding ways to how to complement that and how else we're going to create some things offensively and, and do some things to supplement, you know, what Nate and Micah can do. Greg Dimitri obviously played really well at the end of last season. His assist to turnover ratio was really good. And, it looks like he's picked up where he's left off. Are you even happy with his decision-making early this season? Yeah, I think he's gone uh, three assists, no turnovers again tonight, and, and no, none the other night. So I think the one thing, though, that jumps out is just he's playing. He's running the show like a senior should, you know, and he's, he's – when I talk to him on the sideline when in, in a dead ball or free-throw situations and things that – question that I'm asking him, he's saying the right things and calling, you know, the right things and – and he's, he's taken what's available. He hasn't tried to force it for the most part. I think he's done a good job of that. Um, it, it'll get harder, and there's no doubt as, as competition ramps up. But um, you know, I think he's done a really good job of just, you know, leading the ship, so to speak, as a, as a senior. Greg, can you talk about uh, Brad's defense on uh, 21 for them? I mean, he obviously is a volume shooter, and it seems like, yeah, Dawes didn't really get much going in the first half, and Brad, I think, had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I mean, he's a – Brad's a gristled veteran, so he knows when he gets those type of assignments. Um, you know, he's crafty with 
how he gets to places. He's physical. He's tough. He's at you all the time. So for a shooter, it's Brad Davidson's probably not the guy you want to see get assigned to you because you know it's going to be a relentless effort and and someone's going to come at you every possession. So yeah, he did. He made life a little little rough on him, and and obviously helped get us off to a really good start defensively. Greg, what have you seen early on from having Nate and Mike on the floor, um, the big jump they've made, how well they've seemed to play together defensively and on the offensive side as well? Yeah, I think that's been probably defensively. I thought we were in sync a lot more tonight, even though Nate got a little um, block happy at times and, and got some fouls there in the second half. But, you know, I, they, they pass to each other pretty well. They've got a good feel for who's where the other one is, and, and that's intentional in terms of how we're trying to design some things offensively but yeah they both I mean they obviously both shoot the three pretty well um, both are pretty good around the rim so both can put it on the floor if they need to so they're pretty two pretty complete big guys and, and when you can play them together like that, that um, you know that's that's a good combination to try to continue to work with and, and now we've got to continue to build around that from how we're going to play with those two guys on the floor and some different things we can disguise and create uh, around those for the for the other guys too. Um, I was asking about Ben and Steven. I was curious because sort of what you saw from them tonight. I know both of them ended up picking up a decent amount of fouls. I don't know if you could pick up on sort of what led to that. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of the one Steven got, especially the last one, really wasn't his fault. He kind of got to put in position on where we let the ball get to the baseline. But, um, you know, some of that, like I mentioned with Nate, with, with jumping around and leaving your feet, and that, that takes a – a level of especially when you get to college college of not always leaving your feet to try to block a shot and they're so used to it in high school because they're the biggest guy they can usually get a hand on or impact every shot and the primary defender usually is not the guy to go block the shots the secondary guy coming so just understanding that understanding not to twist not to chop down just little things that the only way they're going to learn is to do it and then have me get upset about it in a timeout and then have me show it on film on Sunday when we get back together. And that's still, like I said, as much as we practice, talk, rep things out, going through an actual game and have something happen to you, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, and getting that actual experience is by far and away the best teacher that we can create. So, um, like I said, just it's great to get them on the floor because that allows that experience to take place. And then we've got a lot of things to, to work from that they've got a chance to experience and we can teach from it then. Greg, through two games now, both at the Cole Center, but you touched on it with Wednesday night, saying it was kind of eerie in the arena playing at times. When watching, I'll see, you know, during a timeout, to me it does look like and kind of has a feel of a scrimmage still. Have you found any ways, have you tweaked anything from last game to tonight to keep your guys concentrated, keep them locked in, or have you even had to do that, or they've been taking these games as serious as you've wanted to see them do? Yeah, no, I think they've done a pretty good job. You know, we, we talked about things that, you know, we're just trying to be a more complete team, um, finish out on every possession you know thing is I thought we got we took another step again tonight and that's you know we talked about that in the pregame just every day take another step forward and and regardless of what the score is regardless of how much time is on the clock um, we always want to try to play the game the right way and that's the challenge that uh, you know they that obviously older guys hold, hold themselves accountable and the young guys are learning you know what it's what it's about and and it doesn't matter what our lead is or what the scoreboard says it's still about how can we play the game well every single possession because those habits that that's where good habits and bad habits divide and if and if we get sloppy and and have some slippage in those areas and bad habits set in if we stay the course and and uh 
you know, resist the temptation to let it turn into, you know, more of a playground game type uh, of feel, then that's going to help us for the games that are coming. Because you're going to have to definitely, um, you know, play the game the right way against some opponents that are coming here down the road. Uh, Greg, uh, seen a little bit of pressure in the backcourt defensively from you guys in these first two games. Uh, got a turnover and easy basket on it tonight. Just wondering what your early impressions of that are of it since we haven't seen it a ton from you guys over the years. Yeah, I mean, we started, we used it a little bit last year, probably more in practice than what we ever showed in a game. Um, you know, it's it's probably not a something all the time, but it's it has its purpose. Um you know, I like how we, we flow from it. I like the fact that we've got some length and some, some quickness up front with either Tyler or Johnny or, or Aleem at the point of it. And, you know, we can set it in different directions and, and do different things with it, get more aggressive, play it a little softer, try to melt some clock, do different things with it. So it's something we've tinkered with a little bit, but still our, our bread and butter is what we're going to do in the half court man-to-man. That's going to be – you know, the really the rock that carries us, so to speak, is is going to have to be really, really good in the half court. And if we can extend some pressure in the right situation without giving up anything easy, we'll, we'll look at doing it. That again, head coach uh, Greg Gard talking to the media on Friday night. I almost said head coach Bo Ryan because on Tuesday, Will Ryan, Bo's son, brings in his Green Bay Phoenix team to the Kohl's Center. Will Ryan in his first season as the head coach at Green Bay. It'll be interesting to kind of watch that small dynamic play out. Will Ryan uh, was a video coordinator for Wisconsin basketball for uh, quite some time with his dad, uh, was the head coach for the Badgers. Um, man, it doesn't feel that long ago that Bo was on the sideline, but yeah, certainly time flies uh, when you're on this beat for as long as I have been. Uh, finishing up today, uh, one of the more surprising news is, uh, of the week, more so than Wisconsin's game against Minnesota being canceled, more so than Wisconsin basketball running over to uh, you know mid-major t- schools, is that Rashard Wild Goose, the starting corner for Wisconsin, announced uh, this week that he is declaring for the NFL draft. Uh, made this announcement Friday morning. Uh, here is his comment on social media three years ago. The University of Wisconsin took a chance on a bright-eyed kid from Miami, Florida. Being a part of what I consider the greatest university in America has been the honor of my life. Masson helped mold the man you see today, and I am thankful for having had the privilege to represent Badger Nation. I will forever bleed red and white. They say it takes a village to raise a man. I am no exception, and there are countless individuals who have helped me along my journey. He thanks Jesus Christ. Uh, He thanks God, Coach Chris, calls him a player's coach. Coach Leonard for molding him into the player he is today. His teammates who have always been encouraging and caring. I will always cherish what we accomplish and you will always be my family. Thanks his parents. Uh, he thanks his mom and dad. Uh, he, uh, I love you both. When you are a part of a family, it is never goodbye, but rather see you later. I may be taking the next step in my journey, but I will always love the University of Wisconsin. A piece of my heart will always remain in Madison. Having said that, I have decl- decided to declare... The 2021 NFL Draft, I love you all, and on Wisconsin, hashtag the goose is loose. Uh, as of this taping on Saturday, we have not heard from Richard Wild Goose beyond that statement. I've reached out to him, uh, have not heard back. Uh, Paul Chris will, in theory, address the media on Monday. Jim Leonard was supposed to address the media uh, on Wednesday. He did not because the game was canceled, so we'll hear from him next week. We haven't heard from any players 
either. Uh, this is very interesting news uh, for Wisconsin uh, and for Wild Goose. I'll start with kind of the timing of it. Uh, Wild Goose uh, injured his shoulder on Wednesday, uh, last week in the loss at Northwestern and did not play the second half. So you have to wonder about the severity of that injury, and maybe that was uh, played into this decision, the timing of it, certainly with three games left in theory in the regular season and then a bowl game possibly for, for the Badgers. Uh, you look at where Wild Goose uh, has, what where he kind of is, uh, 17 games. He started over his career, 25 at Wisconsin. Uh, he finished the season with six tackles, two for loss, and a pass broken up. Hasn't really put up eye-poppy numbers in his career at Wisconsin, but the Badgers are going to be okay in theory without him. Uh, they enter the season with a lot of corners. Um, you know, Caesar Williams, who has played like a starter over the course of the last year and a half. Bayon Hicks, who has started 24 games. Uh, Williams has started 15. He's played in 31, probably the most senior member of that group. And then some really good young players, too. Dante Burton, uh, Samar Melvin has played quite a bit. You know, Madison Cohn has done some different things, hasn't played a lot. He's kind of been overplayed by some other players and has moved to a different spot but he has corner experience and there's a lot of young corners that are up and coming at Wisconsin too so that Wisconsin will be able to kind of survive uh, a loss here uh, whether it would be because of injury or in Wild Goose's case declaring for the draft uh, him declaring for the draft early I mean he still had another year of eligibility left you know he was going to be a jun junior this season a senior next season doesn't I don't quite understand the move uh, now certainly he wants to make be a professional that's every most players goal is to make it to the league but you look at him corner wise and he's a good corner I don't know if he's a great corner on the college level certainly has done some really good things I thought he didn't play that well against Northwestern kind of got bit uh, a couple times he's made some you know some mistakes that have been noticeable this year in games uh, that I don't think his stock was as high as it could have been had he played against, you know, Indiana next week. Indiana has some good receivers. Certainly there's a bowl game in theory that he has coming up. Uh, you know, play, maybe playing Ohio State and the receivers they have would help increase his stock a little bit. Um, I also kind of look at uh, comparisons. And you look at a couple of years ago, Nick Nelson, when he declared after his uh, junior season, after his great performance down the stretch, in that Orange Bowl winning season where Wisconsin went 13-1. Nick Nelson was a tremendous, had a tremendous season and was worthy of declaring. And he was a mid-round pick. Uh, he was a fourth-round pick. I don't think Wild Goose is close to that level, personally. So I don't really foresee him being a, a high selection. I perhaps kind of see him fifth or sixth round at best. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying he's going to maybe be an undrafted player in this draft. Now, that's without having looked at all the corners who are going to declare, but that's kind of as it sits right now, hearing from draft analysis. Um, it just it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I, it, it's without hearing from Wild Goose, it's kind of his decisions or what Paul Chris has said. It's kind of hard to kind of put a finger on the pulse, but you, know, you have to wish him luck. You have to hope it works out for him. Um, but, but certainly it's, it's a move that you would think is a little bit premature that he could have played um, some more games here and really helped his cause unless that shoulder injury that he suffered is more serious and season ending. Again, we don't know. We haven't heard from him. So that's just kind of reading between the lines.
So kind of an interesting spin to end the week without Rashard Wild Goose at Wisconsin. Uh, didn't pick off a lot of passes either, but certainly had had some good coverage corner, uh, a good addition to that team. Uh, certainly with all the depth that Wisconsin had at that spot to earn as many starts as he did with 17. Uh, you looked at where he was. He was not an early enrollee for Wisconsin, but he slowly earned himself playing time a couple years ago with Jim Leonard. Uh, kind of that Iowa game, I thought he took a step uh, talking his freshman year and then as kind of the midway point of the season, you saw him play more and more. And then he worked into the starting lineup and kind of became a fixture there for Leonard. So Wisconsin's going to be a little undermanned there at that spot, but Wisconsin's defense is playing at an exceptionally high level. Uh, you look at the game last Saturday uh, to hold uh, Northwestern to 17 points. And despite not having great field position, despite the number of turnovers Wisconsin gave the Wildcats, that's a pretty good number for the Badgers, who also held Northwestern down in the running game too. I thought that Wisconsin's run defense has been exceptional at this point this season. And hopefully we'll see the Badgers again on Saturday against Indiana and get back to Camp Randall and uh, get this season back going once again. Uh, for all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, log on to badgerblitz.com. Follow me on Twitter at TheBadgerNation. We'll have another podcast uh, with you next week. We'll hopefully hear from... Uh, Paul Christ and Jim Leonard and some players and get back talking about Wisconsin football. But until then, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy your Black Friday and Cyber Monday shopping, and we'll talk to you soon here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.